Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Something about our head, headsets that just don't want to work today. Um, my name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at Yorkie. We've got a number of visitors with us uh, today. And um, so our executive pastor, Anthony, um, as you heard, um, yeah, busted his leg. And one of the things that is scheduled for today is a finance update um, for the church. And the last message I got from Anthony while he's injured, out of action, but still trying to um, do some work task, we keep telling him to stop, um, was he tried to film a video of the finance update. So I got a message at 2.30 this morning saying I cannot render it to upload it. Of course, I messaged him back, suck it up, princess. No, no, no I didn't. Um, <clears throat> not at all. Um, like, poor guy, he's, he's out of action and in pain and still trying to do stuff. So what he sent through is his script um, that he's used for that video. And what we'll do our best to um, capture is we'll try and get the copy of that video. We'll send it out to everybody who's on our database. But we'll also um, chuck a QR code link in the newsletter um, so you can scan that and watch the video. We'll try. we just got to get it off his device um, yeah, later on. So... Hi, my name's Anthony. It's not, uh, <laughs> I'll skim some of this, right? Um, so it's, it's been a rough season, as we all know, of the past uh, 18 months or so. Um, navigating COVID, navigating all sorts of things uh, that have, have really deeply impacted the finances, the finances of the church, but also the members, um, the, our individual lives. The, in the 2021-2022 the uh, budget, so this time last year when we set the budget, we set a budget knowing that we were going to end up about $12,000 in the red. So we're going to have a deficit budget. We weren't expecting to, to break even or make any profit to be used for ministry, but actually go into debt this year uh, with a budget of negative $12,000. We very, very quickly reached that deficit into that financial year. And um, Anthony and myself, and along with the elders, went away and spent well over six months uh, praying and seeking God's wisdom, seeing if there's any way forwards in this uh, as a church. And we ended up with a a situation where we were at 85% of the church's income was being spent on staff wages. And that percentage was going up 1% a month, which meant we would have been over 90% of the church's tithes and offerings going towards staff wages, which meant that we were getting to the point where we couldn't keep the lights on. There was no money for ministry. We were going to start to struggle to pay the bills. The only thing that we weren't budging on was the money that we send to our missionaries overseas. We've never wavered in that and that's a non-negotiable. 
we made a commitment to them and we'll always keep that. So that was, um, these figures are sort of after that amount. So we always give 10% away, no matter what. And we honoured that all the way through. <clears throat> Earlier in the year, in February, we had to make the hard decision as an eldership to reduce all of the staff's hours. Uh, every single staff member was affected. Um, Anthony and myself donated our wage. So we didn't actually lower our hours, but we did lower our pay in accordance with trying to find $70,000 in the budget, which was what we were aiming to, to achieve. That decision, had it not been made, would have meant that today we would have been over $50,000 in deficit. If we hadn't made that change, we would have been $50,000 uh, in the red. I'm pleased to know, let you know that on June 30th of this year, not only did the church finances see the deficit result, uh, not see the deficit result as planned, but actually saw tentative results where the, we actually have landed the year with a $10,000 profit. That is absolutely... Now, when we say profit as a church, that's mean $10,000. We can buy pencils for the kids again. Like, like you yeah. um, we don't have to use international roast coffee. Like, we, we can actually use, like, but more than that, we, we, can, we can do things. We, we can subsidise kids to go on camps. We can, we can help the people that come out onto the street. Like, it's not we're trying to make money. We're just trying to do the ministry that leads people closer to Jesus. Um. We still maintain uh, a, an operational cost as a church of about $11,000 a week. And so that's what it costs to keep the lights on, to keep the staff going, to keep the ministries running, to be able to provide microphones and, and all the things that, that take place to be able to stream online services. But it means that our operating expenses currently are around about 70% on staff wages, which is much more sustainable, and that is holding still. That's holding level. So with that, we are not changing any of the staff arrangements this year. We're keeping them at the same level. Uh, but what it does mean is now we have finances to be able to do ministry once again. And so I want to say a huge thank you to everybody as a church for being faithful in your giving to God's work, um, to being faithful to serving, because with the increased staff hours, it doesn't change the ministry and the impact that happens in people's lives, which means volunteers have had to step up, leaders have had to step up, and you have. So thank you so much for that. But as we continue into the future and not changing the staff um, appointments for the next 12 months just to make sure that the finances are stable, we still need people to step up. There's places and areas where you can serve, and if you would love to get involved, please see me after the service. I would love to have that conversation. Uh, we're going to pray, and then we'll dive into today's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the stewardship of your finances in and through this place. Lord, we thank you for the, the time spent on our knees as leaders as we've sought your heart in what is right, not wanting to make those hard decisions, but doing what is in the best interest of your people and your church. Lord, I thank you that this result uh, represents some incredible heartache for staff and for volunteers who have gone above and beyond in this season to make sure that we are in the place that we are today to ensure that we can reach the people that need to know you tomorrow. Lord, I pray continued stewardship, openness, transparency, uh, 
and accountability on the finances. And Lord, we just pray that we would see people give of their first fruits to you, not just in their finances, but within their thoughts and their actions. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well done, church. Good job. Today we start a brand new series. It's called Making Disciples. Making Disciples. The Bible talks a lot about making disciples or being a disciple or being a follower of Jesus. And as we look at Scripture, sometimes we think, man, this word disciple, like, aren't they the ones that were like, casting out demons and making food spread further than it should and weren't they doing these incredible things healing people like that's that's not me like what what is a how do I be a disciple in in today's world what does a disciple look like and so this series is set out to actually see what does being a disciple look like for you today What does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? And today's message is called Active in Faith. And yes, there's a bike on the stage. And Active in Faith may have something to do with it, but it doesn't mean you have to be riding a bike. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But it's the elephant in the room. There's a a bike on stage. So we'll point that out. I want to start today's message um, with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek. See, there's this, this guy, right? And there's this flood that's starting to happen. It's raining a little bit like yesterday afternoon. But it just kept going. It didn't stop. It's raining, it's raining, it's raining, it's going crazy. Anyway, he realises that, hey, like, I'm going to have to do something about this because, like, the rain's starting to come in the front door and this is, like, not good. So he starts praying to God, like, God, um, can you help me? I've got faith in you. I believe in you. I'm a disciple. I've got an active faith. I'm all good. Can you help me? Stop the rain. And the rain doesn't stop. The rain gets higher, higher. Actually, he ends up on the roof of his house. And he's like, oh, God, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. The rain's coming up. You've got to help me. Anyway, just no sooner as he finished praying that prayer, that his neighbor comes past in a little dinghy. And the neighbor goes, jump in. Oh, good, I'm going to go up to higher ground. And he goes to his neighbor, no, no, it's okay. I'm a Christian. I have faith. I'm, a, I'm good. The neighbor's like, what? Okay, and the neighbor goes off. The rain keeps coming down and the water stick keeps coming up and, he's, and this guy's like, oh God, God, you've got to help me, you've got to help me. He finishes the prayer and then along comes this rescue boat. Just, just out of nowhere, it comes along and, and the guys in the rescue boat like throw out this big rope and say, grab the rope tight around you, we're going to pull you on because the, the waters are getting, starting to rush a bit more. And so they, 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 throw, they throw out the rope and he, he goes, I'm okay. And he throws the rope back. I have faith, It's okay. And the guy's like, okay, there's other people to rescue. And they, they drive off. The third time, he's like, God, you've got to help me. The, the water's, I'm getting my feet wet now. Like, I'm running out of options. Finishes the prayer and this helicopter comes along. Lowers down a rope. Like, wrap the rope around you. We'll pull you up. And they can't hear because the helicopter is just like, I'm Anyway, and so the helicopter flies off. Anyway, the guy drowns and he's in heaven. And he goes, God, why didn't you help me? And God goes, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. Like, what more do you want? Sometimes when it comes to our faith, we've got these ideas that unless God sends an angel from heaven, something visual, something miraculous, he's not active. Sometimes we get this idea that, that unless there's this incredible thing that just makes no ordinary sense, it can't be God. Today we're going to hear firstly, what does the voice of God sound like? 
And how can we have an active faith in order to be disciples or followers of Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will speak to us this morning where we need to hear it the most, both as individuals but also as the body of Christ. And God, I pray that we would hear your still, small voice, that whisper, so that each and every day we would make the right decisions for you. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. The first thing that I want to say, and this is probably something that um, you don't very rarely, you very rarely hear in church, because usually we're about being bold in our faith and stepping out. But when it actually comes to hearing God's voice, when it comes to having an active faith, when it comes to being a disciple, sometimes we've got these ideas of what that looks like. I want to say when it first comes to an active faith and what our ideas are, chances are this is your idea. You've got to bring that expectation right down. You won't hear this in church often, but I want to say lower your expectations. Chances are there's not going to be a burning bush that's going to just all of a sudden burst into flames and not be consumed and a voice is going to come out to you and say, take your shoes off, you're on holy ground. That's probably not going to happen to you. Only happened to one guy in the Bible. Why would we expect it to happen to us? That, that the waters would part and you would walk through on dry ground. Like, we live in Ballarat, people. Come on. You know, like, sometimes we have these ideas that this is what God's going to do for us. This is how God's going to speak. Unless I experience that, it can't be God. Now, God can and does do things like that still today. Does incredible things. We're not saying God can't. We're just saying that there's other ways to hear from God every single day. But we've got to lower the expectation. In John chapter 4, verse 74, there's this man that heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee uh, from, from Judea. And, and he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Verse four, uh, 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come to my house, come down before my child dies. Go. Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. You see, in this, we see that, that firstly, that the, the official went to Jesus. He went to Jesus. Now, Jesus is saying, hey, you know, really, unless... You see these signs and wonders, unless you see the burning bush, unless you see people heal, unless you see things grow back, unless you see you know, all these amazing things happen, will you, will you still have faith? And the beauty of this story is this, this, this ruler, this, this servant, this um, royal official, all he cared about was his son being healed. All he cared about. So he took Jesus at his word. He knew he had to seek Jesus. He took him at his word. And then he acted on Jesus' word. Not on the miraculous sign. He heard the word and then he acted. He lowered the expectation. Jesus didn't come and have to do anything or lay on hands. or, or do, He just took Jesus at his word. And that was enough for this guy to act. And while he was acting, God did his thing. It starts with this. If you want to hear the voice of God, if you want to be a follower of Jesus... Firstly, you've got to seek Jesus. You've got to seek Jesus. This guy knew that in order for his son to be healed, he had to find Jesus. 
Jesus was the way. There's no, no other means that he, he could do it other than seeking out Jesus. When it comes to being a follower, firstly, we, we seek Jesus, but then God's also created us with certain gifts and abilities. You have talents, you have passions, you have abilities, you have things that, that you're good at. Maybe you don't like them, but you're still good at them. You have things that you're passionate about. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 to 30, we see Jesus tells a parable, of, and it's called the parable of the talents. And we're going to substitute the word talents just for the analogy with, with money, with coin. And he says this, there's this ruler who has three servants, and he gives some money to each of the servants. The first servant, he gives five coins. The second servant, he gives two coins. And the third servant, he gives one. He says, I'm going away, but, and I want you to, to steward, to care, to look after this money. The first servant went away with the five and, and bought some stuff and, and grew some stuff and sold the stuff. And, and he had five and he, had, he ended up with five more. And so now he's, he's got ten. The second servant, he was given two, did the same. He went, but he played the stock markets and he, he did some stuff and he, he made wise choices and he invested it well. And then when the, the master was coming back, he withdrew the, the two, the original two, but also had two more. The third servant was like, well, I don't know. Like, what if it doesn't work? Uh, and so he just dug a hole and put it in the hole. And then when his master was coming back, he went and dug it up again. The, the, the first servant, the master, called the, the, the servants in and said, you know, what, what have you got to show for, for what you've been given? And the first one says, here's, my, here's the five coins you gave me and I've put it to work and I've got five more. And the master said, you've been entrusted with a small amount. I'm going to give you even more. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good job for looking after what you've been given and using it wisely. A similar story with the second servant. You've been given two and he goes, here's the two and here's the two more. He goes, good job. You looked after what I gave you. You've been wise with it. I'm going to give you even more. And then the third one comes back and says, hey, here's the coin. I know you probably want stuff even though you didn't earn it and didn't work for it and all that stuff, so I'm just going to give you your coin back. There you go. And the master goes, what? You lazy, wicked person. You didn't even put it in the bank and get interest. You didn't do anything with what you were given. Depart from me. Go away. You see, when it, when it comes to, to, to being active in our faith, what have you been given? I love that that story is actually called the parable of the talents, and you can actually use the modern-day word for talents, because you've been given talents, gifts and abilities. Not all of us have money, but that's just a metaphor anyway. The idea is you have been given passions, you've been given skills, you've been given intellect, you've been given abilities... And you want to use that for God. What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you stewing it well or are you just burying it in a hole? What has God given you to use? You see, when it comes to, to being a follower, firstly we seek Jesus. Then we use what he's given us. But there becomes some decisions that we need to make. You see, if we're to hear God's voice, I think actually most of us know God's voice we just don't realize it. Maybe our expectations are too high or maybe we ignore it. You see, do you honor God in your every day? What does God's voice look like, sound like? 
God's voice sounds a little bit like this. You've just done the grocery shopping and it's a day a little bit like today. It's wet, it's miserable. In Ballarat, there are no undercover supermarkets, right? Man, there'd be some money in that. Like, so every time you take your groceries to your car, you get wet. Now, it's bucketing down. You get all your groceries, you stick them in the back of the car and then you, you got your trolley and you look up and you see the trolley return little holder thing. It's like way over there. And it's wet. And you go, it's wet. What do you do with your trolley? You know, you got that option. You, you could put the trolley next to the car and do that, like, you know, as soon as you let go of the trolley, it starts rolling. It's like a possessed sort of thing. And you've got to try and kick the wheel to get it on the angle. And sometimes it takes more time, not that I've ever done it. Um, <laughs> to get the wheel to stay than what it would to put it back. What's the voice of God? It's the right voice. Put the trolley away. Lower the expectation. That's the right thing to do. That's the voice of God. The other voice, it's wet, can't be bothered, it's cold, there's wolves after me, whatever. Like, you know, you just put the trolley away. What about you sitting at the shop and you get too much change? It's overpriced anyway. <laughs> like, like, like what? Hey, I think you've given me too much. The voice of God. Do the right thing. When, you, when you're at the supermarket and you're getting some groceries, then you get a phone call from your partner saying, hey, actually, we don't need that anymore. I, I, um, I got it on the way home. I forgot to pass it on. But like you got that item, you know, that shampoo, whatever, and it's like way in the other end of the supermarket. You go, okay, stick it in the frozen section. You know, like, like you could put it back. Like, like or what do you do? What do you, that's why you see, you know, there's cereal and, <laughs> and like cat food and stuff all in the same aisles because people have <laughs> didn't put it back. You can think, oh, it's somebody else's job. You see, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, let us not become weary of doing good. Don't become weary of doing what is right. Sometimes we expect the voice of God to be this external voice, this giant sign. I know those people in this building who got married that were waiting for rainbows and, and that they showed up and they were. There's giant rainbows in the sky and God can do that. That's awesome. But more often than not, the voice of God is that voice that says, do the right thing. You're heading to the, to, in, in, the, in the car and you see a green light and it turns orange. <laughs> I remember when I was teaching my kids about this years ago in Sydney and it would go orange when you're a bit close to it and I used to say to the kids, oh, you know. Like, like, you know, if you're going quick enough, it's still okay to go through it because you don't want to have to break hard and someone could crash into you. That'd be bad, wouldn't it? And I remember we were like hundreds of metres away driving down this hill and I saw the, the light go from green to orange and one of my kids are like, go, Daddy, you can make it, you can make it. And I was like, maybe I haven't taught him the right thing. Yeah, there's, what's going on? This is... What about when, you, when the person in front of you at the shops is short 50 cents to buy that coffee? What about you, you see a dog running down the street and there's no one following it and you see it's got a collar? But when, when you see 
the person standing at church by themselves and you, know, you can see that they're, they're new. You don't recognize them and no one else is talking to them. You know, the, the voice of God is the voice that is right. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Often the second voice is the one that's ours. It's like, I should talk to them, but <laughs> shy. You know? Oh, they're short 50 cents. Not my problem. You know what's right. Sometimes we, we, we just do the wrong thing. One of the things that I think is really important when it comes to hearing the voice of God is to get in a space where we can, we can wrestle through the other voices. There's our voice. There's God's voice. God's voice is always right. God will never say it's okay to put the shampoo in the frozen section. That's not God. That's you being lazy. God's voice is always right. But sometimes we do need to stop and slow down and create a space for us to hear what God's voice looks like. We're going to hit to our primary text in just a moment about that. If you, if you want to look it up in your Bible, we're at 1 Samuel chapter 3. And, and this idea of deciphering where God is and where we are, that, that, that's called our quiet time. Now, I've got to say, when, when I was sharing with the creative arts crew um, about this morning, I said, oh, I've got this idea for the sermon and for the visual uh, to help us sort of remember the message. And what, let's, let's create a, a quiet time space. And so, well, what do you want? So I'm thinking like a couch, you know, and a little lamp and a Bible and candle cup of coffee, you know, like quiet time, you know, like, isn't that what you, that's what I picture when I picture quiet time. And then one of the staff members said, but, but that's not you. It's like, yeah, like I'd be burning stuff with a candle, that'd be fun, but, but I'm not, like I'd, you know, like, nah, like, what, what, what do you mean? They said, well, don't you hear from God when you're on the bike? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. It's two times I hear from God when I'm on the bike. When I'm going downhill really quick and I realize, whoops, this is not good. That's really good for my prayer life. <laughs> Help me not to die. Um, but more often than not, it, it's, the, it's actually getting away. I don't have any headphones in, no podcast, no Bible app, no, no anything. It's just me, God, and there's an app on my phone where my wife can track me at all times. <laughs> That's important, as we learned 12 months ago. Um, and it's when I'm out in nature, something physical, yes, and when I say active faith, that's not the active part. The active part is happening up here. It's creating a space to hear from God, a, a space to be in tune where God can wrestle with my thoughts. Sometimes I'm even thinking something and by the time I get to the end of it, it's like, my thoughts are just dumb. Like I've followed a whole train of thought. Something's been bugging me for ages. It's like, what a silly thought. I allowed space to follow it through. So frustrated with something. We had a light that wasn't working at home this week on the stairwell. And my fix was every time I'd walk past it, I'd hit the wall and it would turn back on. And I was getting so frustrated with it. And all of a sudden, I find myself hitting the wall harder and harder. And then it stopped working. <laughs> so I just kept hitting. And I was like, what's going on? Like, follow the thought through, you silly person. Yeah, and the wire had come off. We turned all the power off, did all the right stuff, pulled it out and put the wire back on. The light worked. If I didn't stop to take a breath, I probably would have punched a hole in the wall. Like, yeah, if you don't stop and think, hey, is this my voice? Is this God's voice? What's going on? 
In Scripture, we see this, this, this incredible passage of a young kid hearing the voice of God. A kid who gets in tune with God. And I want to see you to see the actions first before he even knows that it's God's voice. First Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Firstly, what's he doing? He's ministering. He's doing what's right. He's, he's helping out. He's, he's using his gifts. Yes, he was called and he was living in the temple. We talked about this a couple uh, last week, I think, so we're not going to cover his backstory. If you want to hear that, watch last week's message online or grab the podcast. But in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. And there, there were not many visions. One night, Eli... It's his master, he's the, the chief priest, whose eyes have become so weak that he could barely see. So he can't do anything himself. Like he's got, he's, he's got some limitations. He's dependent on others. He could barely see. He's lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God has not yet gone out. And Samuel is lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then Lord, Lord called out, Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. He ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. He didn't just, uh, you know. I know if I ever wake up in the middle of the night, I've got to do something. I'm just like, uh, I'm running into stuff. Like Samuel's up. He runs to his master. He runs. Here I am. You called me, but Eli said, I I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lied down. Again, second time, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He didn't know the Lord. He belonged, he didn't believe. Sometimes you can belong before you believe, before you actually experience God. You can be doing the right thing. You can be on the journey before you even know what God's voice is like. The word of the Lord was not yet being revealed to him. He doesn't understand what God's voice sounds like. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the, boy, uh, the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as in other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything spoken against his family from beginning to end. Eli had failed to raise his kids in the right way and pull them up because of the terrible things they were gonna, they'd been doing and God was about to send judgment. Firstly, we see Samuel serving others. He's doing the right thing. He, he serves his master. He's caring for him three times. Man, by the third time, I'd be like, a little bit slower this time. Yeah, I'm coming. But three times, goes to his master. Hears from God, and the one time, because he was faithful with the small things, because he was faithful with serving, because he was faithful in caring for his master, when he did hear God's voice and he understood what God's voice was, it wasn't a simple message. It was like, okay, go back to the master that told you what to say and say that everything's about to end for him. Hard message, 
but he was faithful with the small things and God gave him some big things to follow. This is the Samuel that called King David. He's got a pretty cool future that's about to happen, but he had to be faithful in the small things first. When it comes to having an active faith, I want to encourage us, the first thing we've got to do is we've just got to serve God. We've got to serve God, but by serving God, we serve others. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important commandment? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. We serve God by serving our neighbours, by caring for one another, by helping one another. The second thing is we've got to do what's right. Don't grow weary of doing what is good. Help one another. Do the right thing. Put the shampoo back in the shampoo aisle. Stop at orange lights. You know, like, like be kind, be considerate. Do the right thing. Can you imagine the impact if we were all doing the right thing? You know, like, like the, the guy who wanted his son to be healed, he just had to focus on Jesus because he knew Jesus was the answer. When, when you're trying to hear a voice, you've got to hear Jesus' voice. That starts with going before Jesus and searching him out. And be prepared. Being prepared means that, that there's going to be times when, when God is going to instill the, the small things, but there's going to be times when he's going to give you the big things. Samuel was ready for the big things. I want you to know that that voice that we hear comes from inside. It's not always a burning bush. It's not always rainbows. It's not always miraculous things. Often it's the Holy Spirit telling us to do what is right. But sometimes we need to quiet the other voices to hear that in our quiet times. Serve God first. Do what's right. Focus on Jesus and be prepared. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that as we live out this life as a follower of you, I pray that we would never grow weary of doing what is right that we would show love and kindness to all people the same way as Jesus did, that we would listen to that still, small voice that guides us through the everyday decisions, that we would be the ones that led in areas of generosity and grace and forgiveness and compassion. And in doing so, we would draw others closer to the truth of Jesus Christ, knowing that he is the only way. Lord, I pray that we would be able to quiet the sounds of this world. And in doing so, we would be able to hear your voice in the small things, but also in the big. And Lord, I pray that we would be able to take a step forwards this week in our understanding of who you are, in our understanding of what it is to follow you as your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.